Hello and welcome to the Bonafide Basketball Podcast. We have a great show today, so stay tuned. Hey, what's going on, guys? Back here with the Bonafide Basketball Podcast. Jay Sauce here with Hot Rod. How's it going, Rod? It's going all right. Just waiting for this game here to pop up on us later on. Yeah, I know. The When they got those, you know, playoff games on the weekend, they always start late on the East Coast and early on the West Coast. They got to fix that. That's a topic for another day, though. <laughs> getting, getting right into it today. Man, so we just saw some nice series wrap up in the East and in the West. Now we got our Eastern Conference, Western Conference finals set up um, out East. We got Boston and Cleveland. Then out West, we got Houston and Golden State. Getting started right into that, um, Cleveland just knocked off the Raptors to move on into the Eastern Conference finals. So Rodney, we got a you decide question here for you. Um, so do you think it was a mistake firing Dwayne Casey? Uh, I think it might've been a mistake. I honestly, I'm not sure because it's like, yeah, they won 60 games. Yeah. They won, you know, the one seed coming into the playoffs, but Maybe Dwayne Casey isn't the guy, but then again, it's probably like just the roster. Like, I feel like he's done a really good job with that team. So it's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, I can kind of see the firing, but at the same time, like he kind of got like screwed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of on the same, in the same boat. Cause what they, they waited, what, maybe like one day after the series and then or maybe two days, because I think like the next day the coaches all agreed, hey, let's make Dwayne Casey coach of the year. Which, if you look at their record, they probably deserved it. I mean, best record in franchise history, number one seed, like, you know, no no reason to not give it to them there. And then they the next like I think the very next day he was fired and all these reports coming out that he was berated by um Ujiri, their GM and president. So I don't know. I think personally for the Toronto Raptors organization, it was a mistake just because they're not historically a good franchise and who knows how long this is going to last for them, even though they're not making it to the finals or even Eastern conference finals. Like in terms of relativeness to the Raptors, the Toronto Raptors franchise history, this is like the best season of their um, existence and the last three seasons have been like 50 plus win seasons which you know for them is rare and getting you know getting firing that coach who knows if they'll have another coach that he'll step in and be as good and even be able to do the same with this team you know yeah and that's one of the big things um with this it's like okay i mentioned it before you you know, win 60 games, you completely change the way that they played, you know, the previous couple of years. And then you just meet LeBron one series earlier. Like, would he get fired if they got swept in the Eastern Conference Finals? 
Yeah. Or yeah. just because they got swept in the semifinals. Because it's kind of, the Cavs had a rough year. They finished fourth. You know, had they finished third, they would have met them in the conference finals. You know, if they would have gotten past, you know, I guess Philly, if they're the fourth, or Indiana. Yeah. And would he get fired if they got swept in the Eastern Conference Finals? Like, that's the question. Yeah, I feel... I think just... I think the getting swept was the issue, honestly. You're right, because if they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, like, yeah, that's great. But if they're the number one seed and they still got swept, it's like they it was a failure just the same. You know what I mean? So, I agree with what you're saying. Like, what is enough? I think LeBron's just too much for them. They didn't have anybody that matched up in the right way to guard him. And then when it came down to it, when if it was trading baskets, LeBron and the Cavs would score, but Toronto wouldn't score down the stretch. They didn't have, you know, when DeRozan was out or benched, whatever you want to call it, he wasn't the closer for them. He wasn't having a great game anyway. And then uh, actually, I think it was getting swept and... De- benching DeMar DeRozan that that was probably the turning point where they realized where that they had to move on from him because they can't have that happening with their star player and the thing is I saw something um earlier about how Scotty Pimpin was saying and or saying something and I was like you know what that makes a lot of sense and kind of why you know Toronto can never get over the LeBron hub it's like yeah you know, you're DeRozan, you know, you've lost to LeBron, like, in the last three seasons, you know, in the playoffs, and they draft a rookie, like, why wouldn't you take that challenge to guard LeBron, knowing you've lost yeah. to LeBron, like, three straight years? The rookie doesn't know anything, you know what I mean? And, like, that's the thing, like, that separates, you know, stars and superstars, where it's like, as it feels Kobe, Kobe would be like, you know, I want LeBron. Or so true. Even LeBron... Even LeBron has that in him sometimes where he's like, you know what, like, I go back to Miami days when they were playing Derrick Rose in the finals, or in the Eastern Conference finals, and Derrick Rose was going crazy, you know, I got Derrick Rose and completely shut him down. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's one of those things that separates, like, the greats from, like, dudes that are just remembered for a time period. Yeah, no, that that is a great point, because even though he's undersized, like, we saw the job that um you know someone like drew holiday he stepped up and he really tried to defend kevin durant in that series and even though you know kevin durant still had great numbers like if you watch the games he was defending it as well as anybody could on that team even though he was just a little shorter and like he just wasn't going to be able to block kevin durant's jumper and get get a hand in his in his face enough to distract him from making it but like that's something where he stepped up which was great like that's what you want to see demar derozan you know he's only a couple inches shorter than lebron obviously not as as built probably you know at least 20 pound difference there or more but you know, you still got to take that challenge. I agree. If he doesn't take that challenge, like, who else is going to do it? Nobody. So, all right, moving on. Um, the next thing we're going to talk about is the Boston Celtics. So, we know that they're, that they just moved on. They're going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, 
it's great to see the organization bounce back even after those two horrific injuries this year, losing their two best players. But my question now is, did Marcus Morris just cost his team the series? And the reason I ask that, if you've been paying attention to social media the last few days, he came out in, in a, I guess, a press conference, or he was just interviewed, asked after practice, um, and he said something to the effect of he believes that he's the second best defender on LeBron James besides Kawhi Leonard in the league. And so, Rodney, do you think he just cost his team the series by making these statements? All right. I I think he didn't cost them the series because they I don't think they have a chance anyways. One. And two, the thing that he did, the mistake that he made was he gave, like, LeBron bulletin board material. Like, I think LeBron was going to uh-huh. come in, you know, his usual self and just try to maybe close through. But now, like, he basically just called LeBron out and basically just like tested his legacy in a sense like yeah. i'm one of the best players to guard you know what i mean like yeah. and that's how lebron should take it and just do to boston what he did to toronto like honestly well here's my thing i'm like so before this series i was like okay you know boston has a chance like they're a great team all this stuff i still have i still will pick them to win this series but like, why even say this? Like, why would you even give this fuel to LeBron to just even throw that out there? Because now, you know, he's going to come at you twice as hard. Like, and every time he's he's got you on him, he's thinking, oh, this is the guy who thinks he can guard me. Not a chance. Um, but it's almost like, <laughs> like, I just don't understand the reasoning why you would ever say this. And what is there to back it up? If you're going to say that, you better come out with some stats. You better come out with something that proves you are the best defender. Because when I think of the best defenders guarding LeBron James, it is definitely not Marcus Morris. I'm thinking Kawhi, like he said, uh, Kevin Durant, um, you know, maybe someone like a Paul George. Like, I'm not thinking, oh, Marcus Morris. Yeah, LeBron stopper. What? So, I, <laughs> I don't know. I think he might have just cost him the series, though, because... He's just throwing out fuel for the fire. I mean, I think he cost the series a couple of games. Like maybe this could have stretched out to six or maybe seven, but I think it's five now. I don't, I just think that the Cavs are gonna try to you know play their best, which they are playing right now. At, they pick like the perfect time to play their best brand of basketball. Uh huh. And but. You know, just Morris just giving LeBron more bulletin board material. Like, I, I just think he shortened the series for them. Maybe that's what he wants. <laughs> he's, he's looking to get the summer quicker or what? Hey, I, I just don't see. I mean, I get it. Like, you want to kind of just instill confidence into your fan base or um, even your own teammates because you don't want to have that, like, Toronto mentality. Yeah. But at the same time, coming out. And just saying, oh, I'm the second best, you know, defender of LeBron. Like, what do you have to prove that shows that? I mean, they he was on that Detroit team that played LeBron in the first round in a, a couple years ago. Uh-huh. And they got swept. So, I'm not... <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not sure where he's getting these... I, where he's gotten this from. 
Yeah, only time will tell. We'll see what ends up happening. Um, but while we're on this, what's your predictions for this series? Who do you think is going to win? How, how many games do you think it's going to take? What's it going to look like? I'm leaning towards uh, Cavs in six. I want to say six because they might just uh, lose that game in Boston, that game five possibly, and then just take it back home. Uh-huh. Um, or um, initially I wanted to say five, but I think it might go six. So you got Cavs in five. Yeah, I'll go with five. I got Cavs in five. Jeez, that's bold. So that means they're going to win. You think they're going to win one at home? I mean, one on the Celtics floor, right? Uh, I, yeah, I think I, I, I think they'll win one of the two games in Boston. Mm-hmm. And then they'll win both at home. And then they may win game five. Like game five is depending on whether they close it out or it goes to six. I don't think they'll lose game six at home. Jeez. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go. I got Celtics in six. And I mean, I'm not saying this with all that much confidence because how am I supposed to bet against LeBron, especially after watching what he just did to the number one seed in the East? So, but. The reason I say that is just because this Celtics team, like in a lot of ways, they are a really good team, even though they're young with their coaching. And I know everyone always talks about how great Brad Stevens is. And I agree. I mean, I'm not trying to just like exaggerate because I think in some ways it's exaggerated now, kind of over the top. Like, but I really think like adding this experienced coach who knows what he's doing, whether he's been in this position or not, his his game plans are always up to par with the competition. So I think having that on their side will negate the fact that this is a young team. And I think I think it'll be pretty even. I think Celtics are going to win their games at home and close it out in six games. So I think the Cavs will get. Yeah two games but I don't know it I, it's hard to say this because LeBron is gonna come out now he's probably gonna score 40 15 and 10 and then I'm gonna look dumb picking the Celtics <laughs> I mean I think that's gonna happen regardless <laughs> but I like I I would understand if they had Kyrie and Hayward uh-huh. But I just don't think they have enough. Honestly, I just don't think they have enough to beat LeBron. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it comes down to like firepower, like sort of the and, same issue that they had in in Toronto was down the stretch. There's no go-to guy. Like LeBron James is the option down the stretch for the Cavaliers on the Raptors. And yeah, Lowry maybe. Oh, Demar Derozan maybe if he's in the game. <laughs> and then this team. Are they going to go to Jalen Brown? Are they going to go to Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier, Al Horford? I don't know. So Yeah, that, that, that's one of those things. Um, I mean, like you said, Brad Stevens is a good coach and he draws up a lot of good plays and stuff. But with them, they just don't have that guy. Like the guy LeBron. And the way that Kevin Love has been playing a lot lately, if he continues to play that way, 
Cavs yeah. are really, really hard to beat. That's very Kevin Love is honestly the X factor. Like if he's putting giving you twenty two and thirteen, then you know that that's gonna be a problem moving forward for like anybody who plays the Cavs. And you know what that reminds me so much of? Chris Bosch back on the Heat when LeBron and D Wade were there. It wasn't necessarily LeBron and D Wade had to have excellent games, but if Chris Bosch did what he needed to do, if Kevin Love does what he needs to do, get hit. Like if Kevin Love or Chris Bosch have has a 20 and 10 game, like the team is basically going to win. I mean, I don't know what the statistics are on that, but if they're having a good game, then, you know, usually the whole team does well as a whole. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting. All right, moving on. So. We got the Rockets and Warriors out west. We'll get to our predictions in a second. But before we do that, I want to ask you. Now, the Rockets were the number one seed, but the Warriors, you know, they've been on a run the last few seasons. A lot of people still have them picked. But who to you is the underdog in this series? Is it the Rockets or the Warriors? I think it's easily the Rockets. Really? Yeah, I think it's easily Why the is Rockets. That? I mean... One, the Warriors are the defending champs, so they really aren't the underdogs, whether they're the lower seed or not. It's, I mean, it's kind of what you see on the other side with Cleveland and, and Celtics. Like, Celtics are the underdog with, you know, the casual uh-huh. fourth seed. Um, but with this one, it's also, like, experience, too. Like, this is Chris Paul's first Eastern Conference, or Western Conference Finals. So it's hard for him to be, like, you know, not the underdog in a sense this first hard you know harden um cp and d'antoni have their you know choke artist demons in in their head so they you know have that working against them and the warriors have you know been there done that so i think you know the rockets are the underdogs and also i forgot to mention how you know the rockets all they think about is golden state um this team was literally built to beat golden state Mm-hmm. So, with that coming in, like, you know, they're automatically the underdogs because they're the ones trying to beat, you know, the big brother. It's like a little brother trying to beat a big brother. So, it's like, they're the underdogs for sure, in my eyes. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Part of me wants to agree just because I think the consensus around the league is that the Warriors are the better team. But... With the Rockets coming in as the number one seed, and that gives them an advantage. Like, that gives them the home court advantage. They can go up 2-0, and, I mean, that's huge because then it's basically a must-win for game three, right? The Warriors have to win that, or they're down 3-0. Like, the chance of coming back from down 3-0 are very slim statistically-wise. Even if this Warriors team is great, maybe they could do it, but we're not going to get into that. But... What I'm trying to say is I think just because of the the one seed, the Warriors have to be the underdog because then now they're expected. They basically have to win one. Well, they don't have to win one on the road, but if they want any sense of security, they have to win one, one of these first two games, or they're going into game three as this is like our game seven. This is a must win because if you don't win game three, you're down 3-0. Come on. That's almost impossible even for this team. So... I'm going to take the Warriors as, like, they need to almost play like they're the underdog and think that 
you know the the Rockets are the not think that the Rockets are the better team but play like they're playing against a better team so that they don't get complacent and think okay we'll just let the Rockets uh, win their two games at home and we can go back once we get home like it'll be fine no they need to think we need to steal one of these games or it's gonna be really difficult um, but if they steal one of those games like the 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 home court advantage completely turns so I don't know. That's what I love about these playoffs with these these home courts. These start like regard depending on how these first two games go, like can completely change the whole series, um, which I think is what we saw in the Raptors Cleveland series. They Raptors go down 2-0. It's like okay, you have to win Game Three or it's over, and they didn't, and it was over. So, geez, I don't know. I'm going to go with Warriors are the underdog in this series, even though around the league, I think there's a consensus that the Warriors are the better team. But not having home court advantage, I think, puts them at a disadvantage. So, yeah. Ooh, I got the Warriors in six, just like the other series. Um, I think the Warriors are going to steal one in in Houston and then they're going to win out at home. So um I don't know. It's interesting to see we will see how these games these games go. I can't wait for the f- game 1 tomorrow night and it it really depends because like a lot of the analysts have been talking about these teams are similar in the sense that they like to shoot a lot of threes and play fast pace but they're so different in that the rockets are primarily a one-on-one team and the warriors are primarily a an assist oriented offense um i mean you just look at their assist numbers you know the warriors are like number one or top top three in the league and the rockets are bottom three and so it's just you know one of those things i got the warriors man how about you who are you picking i got the underdogs my underdogs i got the rockets in seven. Oh my god yeah i got the rockets in seven i think you know this is what they've been living for like the whole year they've been waiting for this moment and I think they finally will break through. The one thing I'm a little iffy about is Kerr versus D'Antoni because I'm not a D'Antoni guy. And I uh-huh. just feel like whenever he, like, they ask him a question, he acts like he's never there. Like, he's like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, <laughs> dude, you're the coach. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, he, he's kind of shaky to me. I feel like if the Rockets lose this series, I feel like a big part of it will be D'Antoni. Um, but other than that, I mean, the thing that the Rockets have an advantage of that no other team really does is they're going to be the only team really able to really expose Curry. Because uh-huh. Curry's going to have to guard Harden or, or Chris Paul. And... Curry, I mean, everyone knows Curry's like a great off-ball defender, you know, gets a lot of steals, all that stuff. Yeah. But straight on-ball defense, he's, you know, he's definitely the weak link in their, like, Hamptons 5 lineup or whatever. So, 
um the rockets will have that ability to you know expose that and the th another thing with the rockets too they just have so many different scores so many different guys that can go off the warriors kind of have to rely on their top guys uh -huh. every night because their bench is a little you know although not up to par as it's been in the past yeah like they don't have their barbosa they don't have their ian clark they don't have and livingston's not himself Iguodala's playing better but he's still you know um a little more washed up than he's been in the past yeah and so their starters gonna have to play better but the rockets you know they have they found joe green off the streets he could you know blink and give you 20. Yeah. Um, they have joe johnson he's a big shot maker they have eric gordon who's been struggling but all it takes is you know one of these games for him to really get him going again and if he's going then the rockets really really do have like a good chance to beat the warriors so mm -hmm. and they don't even play ryan anderson anymore so even if he's one of those guys that if they do decide to throw him in there he could hit a couple big shots a couple threes and score 20 as well so they have a lot of different guys that can just score 20 like get hot and just score 20. yeah yeah i i agree with all the stuff you're saying um just my my thing is if if they're gonna exploit curry on defense then I think that kind of like plays into what the Warriors almost want them to do. Because let's say he's guarding Chris Paul or he's guarding like PJ Tucker. Cause I think th those are like the two things they're gonna do. They're either gonna put him on Chris Paul or they're gonna move him on to the small forward. Which if PJ Tucker's playing, like that's fine. And PJ Tucker, what's his first thought gonna be? Oh, let me baby this guy in the post. Well, if the Rockets, every player going to P.J. Tucker in the post, I think there's not a chance they beat the Warriors. Like, not a chance if they're exploiting P.J. Tucker. Like, he's not going to score every time. And I just, I don't know. I just, like, if P.J. Tucker's then their first option, or who else comes in at small forward? If they have Gerald Green come in, I think Steph would probably guard Gerald Green. Or Trevor Reza, they might put him on there just because... You know, you don't see a lot of exploited post-up matchups that much in the NBA anymore unless it's a really small player like, um, you know, a, a, a center on a point guard, not like a small forward on a point guard. Um, and then, I mean, if it is, if Steph is guarding Chris Paul, then yeah, Chris Paul is going to get some buckets. Steph's going to get his buckets too, but Chris Paul could put up potentially like 40 or something, which if he's putting up 40 that you know that puts the rockets in a great position to win but they still are gonna have to have a 30 plus point game from james harden then and if so you know it's just gonna be so difficult the rockets are gonna have to have chris paul and james harden play lights out every game whereas the warriors you know they kind of can take their pick whether it be kevin durant and steph kevin durant and clay steph and clay like you know, you can kind of only a couple guys need to go off per game. So we'll see with that. Um, so you're picking Rockets in seven. Wow. And I'm picking Warriors in six. All right. So one of the next things we're going to talk about is today is a very special day in basketball history, Rodney. Um, on this date in 1961, Dennis Rodman was born. 
Now, I'm sure, obviously, you know Dennis Rodman. We have we watched him play growing up a little bit, and he's widely known all around the world, actually, especially North Korea. We'll get to that in a second. But he was kind of a flamboyant type player. He was always flashy with his hair. He always had piercings, and he's kind of controversial with some of his comments and different things that he did off the court. Um, but at the end of the day, that man could play basketball. One of the best defenders of all time. One of the best rebounders of all time. At the height of six foot seven, you know he averaged close to 19 rebounds one season. 19 rebounds, 18.7 to be exact, in the 91-92 season. That's insane by a six foot seven player, especially during that era when big men were very common, unlike today. So. Congratulations, Dennis Rodman, for reaching another year of life. But that stirs me up with a question, Rodney. So Dennis Rodman was known as a good defender, a good rebounder, um, kind of had some attitude. That reminds me of a player in the league today, Draymond Green. So my question for you, Rodney, is who would you take on your team in their prime? Basically, who was better, Draymond Green? Or Dennis Rodman? I don't think this should even be a question. <laughs> honestly. I honestly don't think this should even be a question. Who you obviously got Dennis Rodman. Obviously, Dennis Rodman should be the pick on who is Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I mean, look at this. The guy was five-time champion on two different teams. Uh-huh. I mean, obviously, one of the teams he played with, one of the best players of all time. Uh-huh. Michael Jordan. Um I mean seven time all defensive first team, seven time rebounding champ, you know, two time defensive player of the year. Like, I don't understand. I mean Draymond may get another defensive player of the year, probably, probably not. Um but seven time all defensive first team, that's tough to beat. And he got all defensive team one year as well. Yeah. And just the rebounding champ. Like, they're the same height. So it's not like, you know, you can say, oh, well, Draymond is shorter. Yeah. Or Draymond yeah. is taller. They're the same height. And for him to average 19 rebounds in a season, like, today, <laughs> if a guy averaged 15, if a guy averages 15 today, like, you're like, wow, what a great season. Yeah. He averaged 19 at 6'7. That's crazy. So, yeah, I'd take him. So I'm getting a defensive player of the year and the guy that's going to give me 18 rebounds. How could you pick Draymond over? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I... This is a tough one for me because, like, even though they're similar in, like, kind of their roles where they're definitely a role player, I think they're different in a lot of ways because, like, Dennis Rodman would never dribble the ball up, for example, and Draymond Green often dribbles the ball up for the Warriors. Um, Dennis Rodman would virtually never shoot a three-pointer. He rarely ever even shot the ball. Draymond Green often, if he's open, will take three-pointers. Um, sometimes looks to score, even. Um, but, yeah, looking at some of those numbers, Dennis Rodman, if you look at some of his career statistics, in the 91-92 season, 19 rebounds a game. The next season, 18 rebounds. The next season, 17 16 or 17 again 15 all like he's doing this over an extended period of time it's not like he had one fluke season 
and you know but i think the reason i bring their differences up is dennis rodman's one goal on the floor was to to rebound the ball granted yes he played defense but on offense he was thinking i'm gonna get this rebound if somebody shoots it because i'm not shooting it so i think that helped him a lot you know he was he was averaging like almost six offensive rebounds a game that's insane like that's like for one individual player to do that that's crazy some players don't even get six rebounds a game he's getting six offensive rebounds so but with that i guess i've been dodging the question i think i'm like a sucker for the moment because i want to say draymond just because he can do more overall but like if you have a team that where they where they already have players that can do all the stuff Draymond does, and you just need a defender rebounder, like you gotta take Dennis Rodman. Like I think on those Bulls teams, yeah, they had somebody who could dribble the ball up, Steve Kerr, um, John Paxson, Michael Jordan, obviously, Scottie Pippen even. So, you know, having Dennis Rodman there, um, like he didn't need to do any of that stuff, any of the playmaking. He just needed to rebound, dunk the ball, play D. Draymond Green, though, is asked to, you know, he dribbles the ball, facilitates, sets screens, tries to rebound, which he's still a good rebound, but I'm going Draymond Green, dude. I just have to go with Draymond. Draymond's my guy. Draymond's my guy. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't believe you just praised Dennis Rodman like that and take Draymond. Okay, well, here's my thing. If you put Dennis Rodman on this Warriors team, Who'd be better with with Dennis Rodman or with Draymond Green? I mean, their biggest weakness is rebounding. And Dennis Rodman and Draymond's biggest asset is not offense. His biggest asset to this team is their defense. And Dennis Rodman was just as good, if not better, as a defensive player. So it's like... You're getting the same defense, and you're getting a way better rebounding, which is this. But team. you're getting like, could you no imagine this? offense, none, negative. No, you wouldn't. They, they wouldn't. I don't think they would need it. Honestly, you have Kevin Durant, Curry, Clay Thompson, and if you want to, you can have Iguodala. He'd be honestly be the small ball five, and even though you wouldn't get shooting from him, could you imagine all the offense the Warriors would? countless offensive rebounds like they literally have their tristan thompson but oh <laughs> super hyped up tristan thompson yeah. could you imagine how many more point opportunities he'd create even though he can't shoot yeah yeah no it's interesting i think it just depends on the team like if you need a team that needs other aspects of his game like draymond's game such as some of his shooting and playmaking then I take Draymond, but you're right. If you just need a specialist, like if you already got everything else and you just need that specialist, I mean, Dennis Rodman is the pinnacle of just hard-nosed rebounding and defense. Like he will just focus the entire game on that. So, all right, I, I get it, I get it. All right, last topic, last topic of the day. This is kind of a quick podcast, but... This is this is one we really need to talk about because it's my guy. It's involving my hey, guy. Sorry, sorry to cut you off, but there's just a notification saying that uh, Marquis or 
Sorry, Marcus Morris is going to start today for the Celtics in place of Aaron Baines. He's so going to start at the five? From, no, he's going to start at the well, they have Horford. Horford's going to start at the five. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. he's going to start. They're going to start him to guard LeBron. Oh, jeez. They're really putting. They're, they're. Well, we'll see right away then if he's the LeBron stopper, won't we? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I just had to make sure we had that in. But yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and finish what you're talking about. Yeah, but um, so that'll be interesting. I can't wait to see that. But what I was going to get was yesterday on social media, which I can't believe people find this out and track what other people are doing on social media. But that's another another point. Um, Kobe Bryant liked a tweet that said that anybody who knows basketball knows that Kobe Bryant is a more skilled player than LeBron James. So, you know, the way everyone talks with social media and everything, like this has become kind of a debate. Who do you think, Rodney? Do you think this was like, first of all, do you think Kobe did this on purpose, like trying to send a message? And then do you agree? Is Kobe more skilled or what, what do you think? Bro, I think that obviously Kobe knows what he's doing. He knows this is going to be tracked or known <laughs> that it's going to happen. Knows that it's going to be a big story about it. He's Kobe Bryant, one of the greatest of all time. But at the same time, like, before I answer that question, like, let's define skill. Like, what is considered skills? Skill, because if we're talking, yeah. like, as an all-around basketball player, there's no one in the history of the league better than LeBron. Or they're better than LeBron. But in terms of skill, like, how do we define skill? Well, how do you define it? How do you define skill? Honestly, I... I mean, I feel like the different things that you bring to the game is a skill. I feel like, you know, defense, rebounding, shooting, you know, like... People try to throw in, you know, his clutchness, Kobe's clutchness and willingness to take the last shot. But is that really a skill? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, it's, like, hard to... So, what does everyone, like, define as a skill? And in my opinion, the only thing that Kobe Bryant really did better than LeBron, like, at the peaks of their careers, was score and shoot. I don't... I think they're about even defensively. They're both, you know, all defensive players. LeBron's a better passer, better rebounder. Um, and those are pretty much, you know, the main facets of the game. And Kobe had shooting and scoring over LeBron. I'd give him that. So, you know what I mean? So, like, yeah. LeBron technically sounds like he's the more skilled, but, like, it depends on how we define skill. So, how would you define skill? For me, skill, they're kind of like what you're talking about. But I think... Um, especially when it comes down to the Kobe LeBron debate, I think they're talking about skill as in like their individual moves and like their footwork, the fundamentals involved. Um, whereas, you know, like just come do a little comparisons. Kobe Bryant, like definitely to me had the best footwork of any player in the history of the game. Like this man yeah would, i can agree he could be on the mid post on the three-point line on the block he could you know do a, a spin move into a fadeaway 
or a spin move into a pump fake one time, wait for the player to jump, go up, shoot the shot, and one, and a foul. Or do the same move into a pump fake, get them up, they don't or they don't go up, pump fake again, pump fake again, finally get them up, then shoot like I mean his his repertoire of individual offensive skills was like unmatched. So that's where I think this was mostly targeted towards. Like, I mean, if you start getting into the skills of the whole game and all around player thing, yeah, it's it's a different story because it's like, oh, you count passing as a skill. Well, LeBron has this many more assists, so that he has to win that argument. But it's like I think they're talking about like individual, like, you know, I think LeBron has a lot of help from his size too. Like if LeBron's driving down the lane, he didn't he doesn't necessarily have to do contortion layups and put spin on the ball in certain ways that a lot of other players do. Like for example, Kobe Bryant a lot of times when he would drive in the lane, it, it's partly, you know, it's not LeBron's fault. It's just like Kobe might have to jump from one side of the lane to do a reverse layup and like spin halfway through the air and it looks like so much more of a difficult shot but then lebron he can just run down the lane kind of push a guy off and get like a regular reverse layup and it looks like oh kobe Bryant is so much more skilled like so i think in that sense it comes from a lot of kobe Bryant's offensive skills and then the fact that he wasn't as athletic or as big of an athlete as lebron I'm picking Kobe, and I think I agree. He definitely knew that this was going to get out. Like, why was he even looking at these tweets? Like, you don't just like a random tweet like that when you're Kobe. It's like with Kevin yeah. Durant a few yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, with the whole Westwood, like, you really, like, you really thought you were going to get caught by, like, yeah. that. Like, you know what I mean? They know what they're doing. Um, But the thing with, um, I want to get back to what we were talking about with the Kobe and LeBron. So, in a sense, like, in a vacuum, I'll have an opposite uh, comparison to this. So, would you say Kyrie Irving is more skilled than Russell Westbrook? Oh, one trillion percent. Yes. That is like one of the most clearest examples because Kyrie's ball handling is tight and he doesn't use as much athleticism, but he can still finish at the rim just as well or better, arguably. And that's because of using some of his touch off the backboard. Whereas Russell Westbrook, like you you just look at a one-on-one fast break. A lot of times Westbrook, he'll just overpower that guy and dunk on him. Maybe throw in a Euro yeah, yeah, step. Yeah. But then Kyrie, he's going to have to use, you know, a, a very defined Euro step, maybe into a reverse layup on one side and throw the ball up. And everyone's like, oh, what a finish. And I think that requires more skill skill to do that so i'd say Kyrie irving is much more skilled than westbrook yeah i agree but the thing is the reason i come with this is russell westbrook's clearly a better overall player than Kyrie in terms of all all the facets of the game like rebounding assist etc etc so that's kind of where i you look at it as a you know which skill are we defining like offensively Yes, Kobe has LeBron. Um, Kyrie has Westbrook. Yeah. But in terms of all the skills, they're not, you know, Kobe and Kyrie aren't more skilled than Westbrook and LeBron. Does that make sense? So it really depends on what you define in the skill or that view or the perspective of that skill that you're talking about. True. And that's, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hang on. I I don't know. I'm still going with Kobe. I still think because okay, here's an <laughs> you're gonna hate me, but Kobe could have been a better passer, but he didn't pass. <laughs> he didn't want to. Like he'd rather shoot it and score it rather than pass. Like Kobe had had a quote, I believe like Trevor Reza recalled this quote at one point when he joined the Lakers, but Kobe said like like if I he he feels he has a better chance to make a fadeaway shot guarded by two people than one of his teammates does shooting an open shot. So why not shoot the fadeaway one instead of trying to pass to them and risk them missing it? So like I mean I guess that I think is he the, should be penalized for it. Huh? He should be penalized. Well, that should, you know, that also benefits LeBron. Like, LeBron's willing to not take that fadeaway over two people and trust his teammate, and that's where his assists come in. Yeah, but but that doesn't mean Kobe doesn't have the skill to do that. Kobe could if he wanted. Kobe has some great passing highlights if he wanted to pass, but he didn't. He wanted to win, and in order to win, he's had to do what's best for the team, and what's best for the team is Kobe got to shoot the fadeaway. No, since we never, no, so, we're not I, on the same I'm page. Not, I'm not buying it. Yeah, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Oh, man. like yeah, he could have been a good passer, and he could have. He says passing numbers could have been a, higher. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know, LeBron is like a generational type passer. You know, and you're seeing a lot of that from Ben Simmons because he's coming in right away, like as a LeBron-like passer. And that's because he, you know, he idolized LeBron. Like that's his favorite player, you know, to watch and meet. And he signed with LeBron's agency. And it wouldn't be a surprise to see LeBron in Philly uh, next season. But um, we could talk about that later on. Um, but it's like his passing is like once in a generation. So even if Kobe was a good or a great passer, I still don't think it'll be up to par with LeBron's passing. And. LeBron is known as like a pass first person. Like scoring is not even first in his on his plate. So that's what also makes him so great because he's such a great scorer. He's not as great as Kobe or Jordan or whoever, but he is a great scorer and that's not even first on his like he yeah. no like he's pass first. So No, you you make some good points. You make some good points. Um, I gotta go with my dog Kobe though. That man. Yeah, you're dying with Kobe. Dog, I I knew. Like I will go down with the ship. Kobe. Like you, <laughs> there's no chance in an argument. I'm not taking Kobe. Let's be real. But ah uh, yeah, huh. I already know that. So, all right. Well, that basically wraps it up for today. Um, great pod today. Talking about these different things. I'm interested to see how these series turn out especially the first couple games with the Warriors and Rockets and the Celtics and the Cavaliers we'll probably check back in hopefully have a podcast for you guys checking in on some of those games um thank you for listening we're gonna keep it up shout out LaFlair Media Rodney's still continuing to work on that we got that up and running one of our sponsors um bonafidebasketball.com you can check that website out find some more content our podcast articles things like that so thanks for listening guys and we'll see you next time yeah and don't forget to rate us five stars 
um, on iTunes and Google Play and follow Spotify Basketball on Instagram, Twitter and all that stuff and the underscore media as well and all that stuff. Mm-hmm.